Well, thank God for, for another opportunity, another Sunday morning to share, share God's word with you. Uh, this morning, I want to encourage us that through, even though all this is happening, six weeks again and other things that are going on, you know, it sounds like, it almost feels like people, things are being locked down and businesses are closing again, which is incredibly sad to see as you go through and you just see what's going on. I want to remind you all that is happening and everything that seems to be kind of stopping, if you like, that God has not stopped. I want to remind us of that this morning. God has not stopped. God is still working. God is still moving. God is still doing his will. God is still carrying out his purposes. And if, if you like, if there's been ever a time that the Christian needs to be able to step up, rise up, and be part of the work and the purpose of God in the way he's moving and doing and acting, then it's now. Then it's now. Because God hasn't stopped and neither should we. God hasn't stopped working and neither should the Christian. There is a real opportunity now for us to step up and do the things that God is calling us to do. But in doing that, in doing that, we need to be spiritually fit. We need to be spiritually well. We need to make sure that we're looking after ourselves on a spiritual level. Our well-being, our spiritual well-being is being cared for. Do you care for your well-being? Do you care about being well? Do you care about looking after yourself? And do you really care about your spiritual well-being? Do you really care about being spiritually fit? Do you really care about making sure that everything in your life is being looked after when it comes to the condition of your soul? So I want to share with you this morning some things, if you like, some ideas, some tips on how to stay spiritually fit because God hasn't stopped working. And we need to get on with the work that God has for us. But to do that, we need to maintain our spiritual wellness, our spiritual fitness. So if you like, um, this, this message is about ways to stay spiritually fit or tips to stay spiritually fit. It's not going to be um, necessarily um, uh, like uh, big revelations. But I want to help and encourage you to remember that it's important to look after the state of your soul, the condition of your soul. And sometimes people look after things that are not as important. You know, you, you, for example, how, how concerned are you about outward appearances and, and outward blemishes that you want to make sure that you want to fix every outward blemish that you have? Or even the way you look and the way you dress and, and you're really concerned about the way you look outwardly and the way you dress and what you're putting on. Well, I want, to, I want you to consider something. You might be concerned about every little blemish on your face or every little blemish on your skin or you might be concerned about all the outward things that you dress. But are you particularly concerned? Are you particularly committed to making sure that everything inwardly is without blemish? That everything inwardly is spiritually fit? That everything inwardly is working the way God wants it to work so that you can be ready for all the work that God is still doing in this world, that God is still doing in Melbourne, that God is still working among us. And it's incredible to see the hand of God still working. We know by faith it's happening. And so we need to maintain this fitness. So I've got a few scriptures I want to share with you. I'm just going to go through some of the verses in the Bible uh, to help us understand this a bit better. And if you want to maybe get some things ready. I'm going to read a few, but I'm going to turn to a few only. Uh, you can turn firstly to Luke chapter 9. If you go to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to read from Luke chapter 9, and then we're going to, we're going to scoot over to, to, to Proverbs chapter 3 as well, and then we're going to go back into the New Testament to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, so that's just some of the scriptures we're going to look at this morning. Uh, so Luke chapter 9, Proverbs 3, and uh, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 
chapter 9. We need to stay spiritually fit. We need to stay spiritually fit. We need to stay fit. I'm not talking about an earthly, being fit from an earthly perspective. You know, someone might look at you and think, whoa, this man's fit. This woman's fit. Or not just from a physical point of view, but even in terms of what you have in life. You know, someone might have managed to, you know, have a fantastic job. They've got an amazing house. They've got a wonderful car. They go on their regular holidays and someone looks at them and thinks, whoa, they've got the life. This is life, man. You know, if you're like, they are, they've got it made. They're, 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 if they're fit, they're well, they're healthy. They've got everything going for them. But I'm not talking about that because you can have all these things, but in your heart of hearts, you are incredibly unfit. You are dangerously unfit. Do you understand what I'm saying? In fact, you have the whole world, but you're losing your soul. You've accomplished the whole world, but you're losing your soul. So though outwardly you may have this, this, this evidence of fitness, inwardly you're dangerously unfit. And this morning I want to encourage you to look after what is happening inside. And if there's ever, if there's ever a time to be able to look after yourself spiritually, it's now. You know, when trials and, and trials happen and difficult times happen in our lives, they're good training ground for us. They're good opportunities to make or to become more and more fit. But the best time to be fit is even when before those things happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even before those things occur. It's like a man who's driving a car and all of a sudden his car breaks down. He breaks down in the middle of nowhere. And he gets out and he realises he's got to walk 20 kilometres to the next petrol station or to the next mechanic. That's not the time for the man to say, Woohoo, I'm going to get fit now. That's not the time for that. That man would have been much better for that man to have been fit before he needed to walk that 20 kilometres. Sure, that 20 kilometres is going to help him in his fitness, if you like. But the time to really get fit was before. And it's the same in life, brothers and sisters. The time to get fit is now. It's today. Today is the day to make sure that in your heart of hearts and in, your, in the place of your soul that you are fit and well spiritually for what is to come ahead of us. Because God hasn't stopped working and neither should we. And so we need to maintain his fitness. That's why the story of Jesus, Jesus told the story of the, the two men, the men who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on, on the what? On the, on the sand. That's why that story is really uh, significant. Because even before COVID hit, even before the COVID-19 hit, what rock or what ground were you building your house? This is evident. Because if you face this pandemic and this crisis stable, then you are building your house on the rock. But if you face this pandemic and you're, you're sifting and shifting in all your ways, then perhaps, perhaps you are building your house on the sand. And what Jesus is saying is very, very clear. Today, today is the day that you need to build your house on the rock. What's the rock? It's to listening and obeying the word of God. That's what Jesus teaches us. That's the rock. When we listen and obey the word of God, when we do that, we build our house on the rock. But when we hear God's word and we don't do God's word, we think, oh, look, another day, or it's not that important, or it's really not that critical. And we hear God's word and we don't obey God's word, then we build our house on the sand. And the problem with that is, is quite significant because when the winds and the storms come, our house collapses. And so depending on how you've been building your house, this pandemic may have revealed whether you've been building your house on the rock or whether you've been building it on the sand. But today, 
Today's the day where it's absolutely critical that we're building a house on the rock, that we're staying spiritually fit. Jesus spoke about this. Jesus spoke about this kind of fitness. And I want us to turn firstly to Luke chapter 9, and I want us to have a quick look at this verse. I'm going to not spend a lot of time on these verses, but I want to kind of give you a bit of an overview of the kinds of things that Jesus speaks about that maintains our spiritual wellness or our spiritual fitness so that we can keep going with the work that God has for us because God himself is still going. He's still moving. He's still doing things in people's lives, people around you, even the close ones around you. So in Luke chapter 9, he talks about the cost of discipleship. He talks about the need to follow him. I'm not going to read every single one of them. But he talks about the man who, he talks about the man who says, uh, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he says, well, foxes have poles and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he asks another man, follow me. And Jesus said, well, you know, but let me, he says, let me go bury my father. He says, well, let the dead bury their dead. And, and that's, perhaps, that's perhaps verses for another day. But then verse 61, he says this, and another also said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand into the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus speaks about spiritual fitness. Uh, This word is in reference to being well-placed or ready for use. Someone who's prepared for what has to come. Someone who's prepared for what lies ahead. And Jesus says very simply, if you're going to put your hand to the plough, in those days they used to plough the grounds, and he goes, and if you were to look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Because imagine someone who looks back in the plough and they're trying to plough the ground, the plough's going to be going like this. They're not going to be going very straight. not going to be a very good worker. Because if you put your hand to the plough and look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Because the one who is fit is the one who looks straight ahead in the pursuit of God's will and God's word without looking back. I mean, what's this man even asking Jesus? Lord, let me go back and bid them farewell. It doesn't seem too bad. What's he even wanting from Jesus? What's he, what's he saying? Lord, you know, it's, it's not that I don't want to follow you, Lord. It's not that I don't want to do what you're asking me to do, Lord. But let me just go back and say goodbye. I don't know. You know, Jesus, I I, I sense Jesus would have realized something that was in his heart, something that wasn't quite, maybe the man didn't understand himself. What is the motivation for this man following Jesus? What is the motivation for this man wanting to put his hand to the plow? What is the man's motivation? Who knows? We can't tell. I can't tell what this man's motivation is, but the Lord knows his motivation. It's like why people come to church. I am convinced I'm convinced that all over the world, not everyone that comes to church comes to church because they want to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. Not everyone that comes to church comes to church because they want to put their hands at the plow without looking back. You know, what's the motivation? Do people, I don't know, do people come to churches because they just like a nice gathering of people or they feel a sense of purpose in life or they feel a sense of community is good for them? I'm not sure. But the reason Jesus is challenging here is really interesting because there seems to be this fine line between responsibility and attachment to this world. Because Jesus isn't saying he doesn't care about his family. But is this man really, is it about his responsibility or is he really still attached to something? 
about his commitment versus his distractions in life. What's this man really trying to say to Jesus? What's this man even after? Is he hoping to go back so that he can explain to people, you know, hey, family, I'm just telling you something. I'm going now because I'm following Jesus. What's he wanting from them? Is he wanting their blessing? Is he wanting their approval? Is he wanting um, them to say their permission and say, yeah, go, go. It's fantastic. All done. Is, he gonna, is that what he's wanting? Because he's probably not going to get it. And Jesus says, you know what? Listen, if you really want to follow me, you can't look back hoping that somehow you're going to still have perhaps what you wanted, what you hoped for, uh, the approval of people, um, the satisfaction of others. You can't keep looking back at these things and expect to be fit for the kingdom. If you're going to put your hand to the plow, you need to look forward and not look back. Because not everything you hope to be and everything you wish to be and everything that you wanted to be and everything everyone else wants you to be, you know what, it's not going to work for you. It's going to hold you back. It's going to drag you back. You imagine someone trying to run in a race and they start backwards in the race and they run backwards and everyone's running forward. It's not going to work. Or someone in a motor car race. Imagine that person always looking in the rearview mirror. Everyone else is looking straight ahead, but they're constantly looking in the rearview mirror. It's not going to work for them. It's not, they're not going to win. And Jesus said, if you're going to put your hand to the plow, you can't look back, otherwise you will be unfit for the kingdom. Are you looking back all the time? Are you always looking at what you could have been, what you hoped you were, what you hoped you had, what you hoped, who, who you hoped you had? Are you always looking back? Are you looking back always to the approval of others, the blessings of others, the permission of others? Are you always looking back? Are you looking back to make sure that you're not going to miss out? Are you, do you have a bit of FOMO? And so you're always hoping that you're not going to miss out on something else and someone else? Or are you looking forward in the pursuit of the holiness and the will of God? Because that is being spiritually fit. That is being spiritually fit. You see, the Bible uh, tells us that a double-minded man is unstable, is unstable in all his ways. So you can't be a double-minded man and expect there for you to remain uh, stable. When a man is double-minded, a man is, the Bible says, tossed to and fro and unstable. A man is tossed to and fro. And a man can't be like this. A man has to be single-minded, steadfast, set their hearts on things forward. And this is what happens. Remember Lot's wife? Poor Lot's wife. What happened to her? They left Sodom and Gomorrah and she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. This is true. God was showing us something. If you leave this world, leave and don't look back. If you decide to follow God, leave and don't look back. Lot's uh, wife's outcome was, was um, devastating, turning into a pillar of salt. The Bible says, Jesus says, if you're going to put your hand to the plough, don't look back. Be in the pursuit of God's will. Brothers and sisters, God's work hasn't stopped. And for God's work to continue, uh, sorry, God's work has continued. We need to be part of that. And I'll encourage you this morning 
to stay spiritually fit. So let me give you some tips. And you know when someone tells you you need to be fit, usually it's about stopping something and starting something. So I want to encourage you this morning to stop a few things and I want to encourage you this morning to start a few things, okay? So I want to, I want to give us a few, if you like, spiritual tips, ways to stay spiritually fit. I'm going to tell you to stop a few things. I'm going to encourage you to stop a few things. I'm going to suggest that you need to stop a few things and then to start a few things as well so that we can be part of the work that God is still doing. This pandemic hasn't stopped God, and, and it shouldn't stop you. So go with me to Proverbs chapter 3, please. Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, I want to read just two verses from this, from this chapter. In Proverbs chapter 3, in the Old Testament, Two famous verses that people often quote. I want you to understand this because this is part of the way to stay spiritually fit. I'm not going to give you dozens of things to stay spiritually fit, but I want to just highlight a few things in, in particular because of what we're going through as a community. Okay? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Wow. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And brothers and sisters, stop leaning on your own understanding. I know there are many of us who try and understand things and we try and get our head around things. I'm like that myself. I like to process things. I like to think about things. I like to try and understand things. But listen, the Bible says this. If you're waiting to find peace by understanding something, you may never find it. You may never find it. But find your peace first by trusting God. Find your peace first by trusting God and not by leaning on your own understanding. Oh, look, go for your life if you want to try and understand something. I'm the same. I'm going to try and understand things. I'm going to try and process things. I'm going to do things to understand life around me. But I'm not going to look to understanding things to find my peace. My peace will come from trusting God and not leaning on my understanding. And when I have that peace, when I have that peace, I can go for my life trying to understand things if I still want to. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says this, stop trying to understand things. Stop trying to understand things in order to find your peace. And rather, start trusting God for your peace. Brothers and sisters, we may never understand this pandemic. We may never understand what's going on. We may never understand what's going on in the background. We may never know if it's going to be another six weeks. We may never get it. But God gets it. And what we need to do is to trust God and not lean on our understanding for our peace. So stop leaning on your understanding if you want to be spiritually fit and start trusting God for your peace. The Bible tells us that um, this is a time that it's really important to do this because there is still work to be done. And if we're always trying to understand something, we may miss the big work that God still has for us. Do you understand that? Because we're so caught up in finding peace and understanding what's happening that all around us, people are passing us, things are happening, and we're not getting the big picture of what God still wants us to do because we've got our minds fixated on understanding the situation because that's our peace. Well, it's not. 
Trusting God is your peace. Not leaning on your understanding is your peace. So you can continue with the work that God has. You know, Jesus said this, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. When we have this peace, beloved, and we're fit because we have this peace, we can look now not on trying to understand things, but on the work that still needs to be done. Jesus said, you know what? I've got work to do. And while it's day, I'm going to do this work. The night's coming when you can't do this work. Now, you might disagree with me, but I don't think that night is here yet. I think it's still day. And so there's work that still needs to be done. God has given us his spirit. God has given us truth. God has given us wisdom. God has given us peace with him. And so now there's work that still needs to be done. And Jesus says, well, it's day. Let's do it. While we have life, let's do it. Because there's going to come a time when we can't be done. And so let's stop trying to find peace through our understanding. Let's find peace through trusting him. Jesus also said this. Um, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. You understand what he's saying? It's quite significant. Jesus, if you believe in me, I've got work for you to do. But guess what? You're going to do greater work than me because I go to my Father. I mean, try and wrap your head around that. Greater works than Jesus? What does he even mean by that? Look, at the end of the day, there's all sorts of ideas of what he could mean. But at the end of the day, what Jesus is saying, you've got work to do. You've got things to do. And you're going to do a lot of things because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to leave this responsibility to you. So be responsible with your family around you. Be responsible with the things that you've got to do. But put my work first. You see, when we get caught up in trying to understand things for our peace, it robs us from the work that is around us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I know, beloved. You know, I know that this is a pandemic, but let's call it what it is. Let's not call it anything more or anything less than what it is. It is a pandemic. God is not moved by it. God is not stopped by it. God doesn't say, all right, I'll have an audio while the pandemic's going. God is working even particularly now. And I would argue that this is a time for Christians to step up even more and to be the light of the world, to step up even more and to give a, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. Because when the world is trying to find peace, they will look and say, why do you have peace? Because I trust in the Lord. But don't you get it? They, how do you understand it all? Well, you know, I, I don't understand it all. But that's not the source of my peace. Let's call it what it is. It's a pandemic. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. As serious as it is, it's not more than that. It's not less than that. It is what it is. But God is still working. And I know because people have put their trust in the Lord, even in our church, I know that the work of God is still going. I mean, think about it. God hasn't stopped working. If you've had any experience similar to me over the last weeks and months, God opens doors to share the faith with people during this time. God is still working. I know even in our church there are people, secret people, who are secretly dropping off things to different people to bless them. I don't know who you are for certain. I don't need to know who you are. But what I do know is that you're a blessing to other people even in this time. I know even just last week, the night before lockdown, 
just last week, a group of CDNM members got together and there was a blessing when a brother gave his heart to the Lord, even just the night before lockdown, because you know why? God is still working. We don't need to get it all. We just need to trust him. We need to trust him. In doing that, we maintain our spiritual fitness. So what am I saying, beloved? Stop trying to understand it and start trusting God for the source of your peace. And then he says this, in all your ways acknowledge him, in all your ways acknowledge him, um, and he shall direct your paths. This is a beautiful verse, because what it's essentially saying is you need to acknowledge the things of the Lord. You need to acknowledge the way of the Lord. You know, there's lots of things. There's lots of things that could move you in different circumstances. There's lots of things. Um, what motivates the things you do in every part of your life? What motivates you? I don't know. Is it, is it um, the desire to have more? Is it the approval of other people? Uh, is it the fear of things? Is it the greed of things? Is it the love of, um, 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 what do you call it, people thinking well of you? What, what is it? What moves you? And what do you acknowledge in all your ways in order to motivate your heart? Where's your mindset? And the Bible says, stop. Don't let these things be at the core and at the heart of what motivates everything you do. But let this be at the heart. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and he will direct your paths. Let his word and his glory and his way be the very thing that motivates you in everything you do. That, he says, if you acknowledge him in all of your ways, he will direct your paths. Because what God is saying is keep your eyes on me. The Bible says in Colossians 3 that if you've been risen with Christ, in other words, if you're born again, you've been risen with him, set your mind on things above and not the things of this earth. That doesn't mean don't have responsibility, but hey, don't be attached or distracted by the things of this earth. If you've been raised with Christ, then let your mindset, your motivation, your heart's desire be everything to do with that that is heavenly. Have a heavenly mindset. And let everything else begin to center or revolve, revolve, sorry, around that. Beloved, we might be in lockdown, but we are not in shutdown. Do you understand? We're not shut down. We might be locked down. Things are being locked down, but we're not in shutdown. God hasn't shut the computer off and said, that's it, time's up for a while. No, we're not even in sleep mode. What we are, we're still active Christians who are acknowledging the Lord and allowing him to direct our paths. If you think you are in shutdown, you've misunderstood the whole thing. You should be more alive today than you've ever been. You need to maintain your spiritual fitness today more than ever. There are a whole stack of people who are looking after their physical health during lockdown because they want to maintain their physical health. But this is a time when Christians have to maintain particularly their spiritual health because God is on the move. God is working. And we need to get on and do the things that God is asking us to do. Stop trusting or stop acknowledging your own ways and start acknowledging him in all your ways. There's a few things already. 
Let's go to, um, actually, no, I won't go. So let me tell you about another one. I want to I kind of wrap this up um, um, if I can. This is a really difficult time. And, and, and I know this is a time when people get scared. You might, you might have felt it. You might have felt being scared, fearful, worried about things. But can I encourage you, brothers and sisters, as another thing to do to maintain your spiritual wellness, if you like, can I encourage you to stop fearing what's happening, stop fearing what's happening, and let the fear of God guide you. Yeah, stop fearing what's happening and start letting the fear of God guide you. Can I encourage you to do this? The Bible tells us in Proverbs that by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Well, I don't know, it's not rocket science. If the fear of God causes me to depart from evil, then I, I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to lead me in the path of righteousness. If by the fear of the Lord, it guides my steps. The fear of the Lord keeps me well. The fear of the Lord keeps me healthy. It's not being scared of God, but coming to a place that understands the foot of the cross, that understands that he's God and I'm man. And so let's not let fear steer us, but rather let the fear of God guide us. You understand? Stop fearing what is happening and start fearing the God of this universe. He is our God. He is a God. He tells us in Psalm 144 this, that he trains our hands for war. He, here's a beautiful image of fitness. You know, imagine someone coaching someone. He's saying, he's training my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Blessed be the Lord my God who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Why does he use hands and fingers? I don't know, but it's quite interesting. Because when you go to war, your hand is needed often for maybe a sword. And to be skillful in the war. Your fingers, interesting. What do you do with your fingers in war? You might have some ideas, but I think of this, I think even the little things, because often fingers are, are a reference to something of fine, you know, the, the little details of life, you know, it's our fine motor skills, you know, we, we do things with our fingers. And God, it's like God is saying, you know what, the big things and the little things of life, I will train your hands and fingers for war. I will make you fit for war. And we're not talking about a war like we think of war today between nations. We're talking about a war of a whole different nature as Christians. It's a spiritual war. Even just keeping Christ at the centre of everything you do throughout these six weeks and beyond. That's a war in itself. So letting Christ live through you and not letting you take over. That's a war. But God says this, I'll train your hands for war and your fingers for battle. I will keep you well placed and ready for use. The bigger things and even the little things. I will keep you ready for battle. You know, sometimes, beloved, the battle isn't one through five it's never one through fighting. <laughs> Don't fight. It's the one through fighting. The battle is one of a different nature. Sometimes the battle is won because you turn out a cheek. Sometimes the battle is won because you, you go the extra mile for someone. Sometimes the battle is won simply because of love. Loving someone who doesn't love you. Sometimes the battle is won because you forgive someone who seems to be unforgivable. But he says, you know what? You will win the war because I train your hands for war and your fingers for battle. God is keeping us spiritually fit. He will train us. He's our coach. He's our PT. 
He's the God who's doing everything needs to happen, that you can keep doing the work that God is still doing. Thank God. Thank God. He trains our hands for war and our fingers for battle. Keep your heart set on things that are true. You know, beloved, sometimes you've got to do this in this next six weeks and beyond. Can I encourage you to do something? Be familiar with the news. I like the news. I like to know what's going on. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you just got to turn off the news. Just turn it off. And just get yourself immersed in the good news. In the good news. You know, sometimes you've got to say, enough. Stop. Turn it off. Flick it off. I can't listen to this anymore. Just turn it off. And get your head in the good news. Listen to some worship. Get into the word of God. Get on the phone with a brother or sister. Do something that immerses your soul in, in a place of wellness, if you like. Being spiritually fit. Let me give you the last one. And then I'll wrap it up. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And um, this is a, a well-known a well-known verse again, another verse that talks about spiritual wellness or spiritual fitness, if you like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, the Bible says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? <laughs> Thank God for that. One receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're in a race. The race is a spiritual race. And you're gonna have your heart set on the fact that you're gonna win this race. You know, competition is a healthy thing. You're gonna win this race. You're gonna win this spiritual race. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love playing sports. Played soccer, played football, AFL. And, and so uh, I played lots of sports, but I used to play every Sunday and every Saturday. So I loved playing sports as a kid, but I didn't really love training. I didn't really love training, you know. Uh, I got pictures of me in glory, you know, taking a photo, winning a grand final, you know. But the hard work getting to that, getting to that wasn't fun. And if you told me that you love training, I'd say, well, not really. not really love training. But at the end of the day, this is what's absolutely critical. Because how was I going to get to that without the training? And so Paul says here, I'm going to run a race. I'm going to run it to win. But I need to do something to help me win. It's like an elite athlete. I mean, an athlete doesn't get satisfied if there is the slightest imperfection. Does he? Does she? If an elite athlete says he knows he's got half a second he needs to shave from his run, is he going to say, ah, oh, doesn't matter? Is that what he's, he's going to say? He's going to say, doesn't matter? I need to shave half a second, so I'm going to try it even harder. Or if, um, if a footballer says he just tends to always stray his kick, is he going to say, oh, who cares, I'm going to stray my kick? No, he's going to work on that. So he's going to work hard to make sure he's kicking his straight. These elite athletes do not compromise even the slightest imperfections, and neither should the Christian. And Paul says this. Paul's saying you need to train to win the race. Do not be satisfied with any unhealthy imperfection in your life. 
do not be satisfied with any unhealthy sin in your life. Anything that's keeping you unhealthy with the Lord. I'm not talking about things that you do naturally, like mistakes that you might make or your misunderstandings about things, or you, know, you might have a skill set that's not quite strong. That's fine. I'm talking about things of life. But when I'm talking about a compromise of sin in your heart, the Bible says, get it out. Because this sin in your heart might be the very thing that's dragging you down and making you spiritually unfit. Do not let it sit in your heart. The Bible says, Lord, direct me according to your word and do not let sin have dominion over you. These things cannot settle in your heart, beloved. You will not be fit. But rather, as Paul says here, learn the art of self-control and self-denial. So stop. Stop compromising with unhealthy sin. Yeah, this is, your, this is your spiritual regime, your spiritual workout. Stop compromising with unhealthy sin and, and the things that easily distract you and start learning the art of self-control and self-denial. Because this, my beloved, is going to give you victory and keep you spiritually fit. That's why he says in verse 25, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. You know, it's quite interesting because he's saying, I don't fight like somebody who's just beating the air. I have purpose behind what I'm doing. I have purpose behind being spiritually well. I purposely purpose behind being spiritually fit, and that is to win a race and get a crown that is imperishable. Therefore, I run thus. Uh, sorry, I run a bit here, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. To be spiritually fit, beloved, you need to stop playing around with unhealthy sin. Come to the foot of the cross at the place of his grace, at the place of his mercy, at the place of his love, and say, Lord Jesus, I'm done with this sin. And you need to start, you need to start the practice of self-control and self-denial. You don't need people to be watching you to do this. An elite athlete doesn't need people to watch him or her to go out and do their run in the morning when it's raining or cold. Don't wait for people to be standing outside their house saying, oh, you ready for your run this morning? No, they do it whether people are watching them or not because they don't compromise because they want to win the race. And to be spiritually fit, it's not your strength, my friends, my beloved. It's not your strength. It's the strength of the Lord. And when you come to a place of self-denial, laying down your life and giving it up for Jesus Christ and you come to a place of self-control. In other words, things are coming your way and even though sometimes you might have the permission to say yes, you say no. So you can run that race well and be well-placed to be spiritually fit. It's built on a rock. Trusting God for your understanding acknowledging him in all your ways. These are the things that will keep you ready for the work that God has. God hasn't stopped and neither should we. Now in this time, we'll, 
we'll, we'll need the support of other people. And it's okay. It's okay to support other people. It's okay to obey the authorities. It's okay to look after yourself physically. But in all things, we need to depend solely on God. It's okay to look after friends and family. It's important to take responsibility for them. But in all these things, we keep our minds set on things above. Because God is still working and his children need to step up and shine in the same way. And that's my prayer for us, beloved. That's my prayer, that you would maintain your spiritual wellness, that you would maintain your spiritual fitness, that in the time that God is requiring, if, if, if you like, more than ever, for his children to shine. And I want to pray for us this morning that if you've been doing things that uh, perhaps have been maybe outwardly keeping yourself well, but inwardly you're dangerously unfit, I want to pray this morning that you turn that around. That what you do, keep doing what you're doing outwardly if that's what you want to do, but you look after that with, from within. That you maintain a spiritual wellness within. Remember what Jesus said, put your hand to the plow and you don't look back. Remember what the author said in Proverbs, trust God for your peace. Acknowledge God for your paths. Remember what Jesus, uh, what Paul says here, train myself with self-control and self-denial. These are the things, if you like, that will continue to help us to be well so we can continue to do the work that God has to do. Let me pray for us this morning. Let's pray and let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to work his work in our hearts, that in our souls there is a wellness, a spiritual wellness, a spiritual fitness that goes beyond the physical, that even in this time everything seems to be just locked down, the people of God are not shut down, the people of God are still shining, are still ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within them. Let's pray God's blessing upon us as a church and as a fellowship. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord God, for this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that uh, for the patience of your people as they listen this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for, um, uh, for your love toward us, that you've called us out of, out of a dark, unhealthy world with unhealthy habits, Lord, and unhealthy ways. And you've drawn us into your light. You've drawn us into a path of righteousness. You've drawn us into a path of wellness. You've drawn us into a path that represents the life of Jesus Christ. And Father, for that, I pray that your grace be upon us, that we would rid ourselves of everything that is spiritually dragging us down and unwell, and that we would maintain the fitness that you call us to, uh, the wellness that you've called us to, uh, to a place, Lord, that we would reflect the life of Christ. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon this church. Bless them in the week ahead. Bless them as they continue to do the work that you have always done from the beginning of time. Bless them this week. They may be servants, your hands and your feet in all that they do this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.